Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are live on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We, we got, do. We got, um, you know, players announcing they're staying uh we got coaches on the move we've got a basketball team in transition and we have opened up the floor for this uh edition of the flagship podcast uh to a mailbag format we've been taking questions on the flagship message board for those of you who wonder where the flagship uh comes from when we talk about the flagship podcast, it's because our message board at Horns 24-7 is called the flagship. So who better to involve in the flagship podcast mailbag than the flagship members? Yeah, exactly. Who who was the, the genius that had the idea to name the podcast after the message board so we can do double branding? Oh, was that you? Oh yeah, I think it was actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, job. you know. <laughs> hey, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. Sorry. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but yes, we did open up. Um, you know, our to get our members' questions so we can take them, and also we will also be taking questions from our Facebook page and from the YouTube channel as they roll in as we do this live show too. So send us your questions in there, and uh, we will try to get to everyone that we can. But I don't think we need to waste too much time, uh, you know, in introing this. Chip, you ready to answer some questions here? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So, um, obviously, big breaking news uh, that happened at the end of last week with Texas announcing the firing of Chris Beard for cause after he was charged with felony assault of a family member. And with that said, Chip, I'm going to lead with the first question. I'm going to throw it to you here. Any insights on who may be replacing Chris Beard from Texas Warrior? Well, it's um, it's interesting because there's already been reports that uh, John Calipari, the coach at Kentucky, that uh, Texas has put out feelers uh, about possibly bringing in John Calipari from Kentucky. Um, that would be fascinating. And... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to really expound on that until I've had a little more time to dig in. It's been uh, kind of a crazy weekend, obviously, yeah. with uh, Texas uh, learning last Thursday that Chris Beard is done, and then Texas went up to Stillwater and and really played a fantastic basketball game, uh, much improved defensive effort in a 56-46 win over Oklahoma State, who played well in that game, had a huge game from uh, Khalid Boone, who almost had a triple-double. He had so many blocks in addition to a double-double in scoring and rebounding. And Texas, once again, had to make plays down the stretch uh, to pull that game out, and it was really impressive. And so uh, we had a chance to talk to the players and Rodney Terry today. We're recording, obviously. Uh, here on Monday, and this is a veteran team. They know what they're up against. They have a pretty good handle on trying to control what they can control. And Rodney Terry said, listen, I am all about being in the moment. You know, people are asking him now, you feel like the pressure's on, you're you're trying to, to win the job, or you could end up being replaced. Um, and he said, listen, man, I'm just focused in on what we've got to get done with these players heading into a game Wednesday night against TCU, a, a ranked TCU team coming uh, to the Moody Center. Oddly enough, Texas is uh, 2-0 and in Big 12 road games and 0-1 at home after losing that game last week, 116-103 uh, to Kansas State. So I think um, just like the Texas trio i'll call them uh chris del conte jay hartzell uh, kevin l Tyfe. 
they will do their due diligence. You know, they, they were talking to Urban Meyer as a consultant in replacing Tom Herman and, and as a candidate, uh, right. Taylor, and obviously Urban Meyer opted for the NFL. That was a disaster. Texas <laughs> went with Steve Sarkeesian. So look, the biggest names in college basketball are going to be uh, on the hot board and you can find that hot board over at Horns 24 seven. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Eric Musselman at Arkansas is a guy. I, I think, uh, you know, Texas officials looked at when they, uh, when Shaka Smart was let go and Chris Beard was ultimately hired. So um, I think, you know, those are a couple names right now that, that you, you know, can, can, nosh on and snack on but texas officials are going to be uh, respectful of rodney terry they're going to do their homework but there's not going to be um you know anything done or finalized uh anytime you know in the immediate future because they want to give rodney terry and this team uh they want to respect their uh, attempt to go as far as they can go this season. Right. Yeah. They've already had enough distractions, right. Uh, from things that are outside of their control with what happened with Chris Beard. Um, I was going to, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Eric Musselman. Cause I was going to ask, you know, that was a name that they kind of were looking in the last go around. It wasn't too long ago, Chip. I mean, if we think about it, Chris Beard was what a year and a half. 22 on the months job. ago. Yeah. 21 so, months ago. Yeah, so they've they've kind of done some due diligence, I think. Um, but that's good to know, you know, that they're going to take their time and do this. Um, you know, speaking of another coach that is uh, expected to be leaving, actually, is um, Brennan Marion, the Texas wide receivers coach. Uh, we reported on Sunday that after um, Bruce Feldman first was to report it, but that he was going to be hired at UNLV as the offensive coordinator on Barry Odom's staff. Um, after Bobby Petrino had taken the job, was there for less than a month, and then was hired at Texas A&M. So obviously that's the question we got here. And um, the question here is from Mikey Gress 6 Who are the realistic candidates you are hearing to replace Brennan Marion? Um, I, you know, Chip, I'll just kind of start off here. I think it's a little bit too, it's so quick that this has happened. This has been a very quick turnaround um, that I would say it would be, a little unfair for us to say realistic candidates right now. There's definitely guys that that we would probably think that Steve Sarkeesian should consider. So I'm going to kind of alter this question a little bit and say, what do you think Texas needs to find in a receivers coach when they're looking for these candidates? Well, I think that Steve Sarkeesian um, needs to make sure that he's got a, a coach who can handle strong personalities um, yeah. because Steve Sarkeesian is going to recruit the best of the best. He's, he's, um, that was one of the reasons that he kind of, you know, parted ways with Andre Coleman. Andre Coleman kind of liked to find those chip on the shoulder guys, the Tyler Lockett's of the world, where Steve Sarkeesian wants to go, uh, find the next, um, you know, Jerry Judy, Devonte Smith, um, Jalen Waddle. And he found one in Xavier Worthy. Worthy's obviously a, a personality um, that that uh, the incoming coach is is going to need to be able to um, you know command, inspire, nurture, uh, coach hard. And you know there was no question that Brennan Marion was looking to become an offensive coordinator. Heck, I wrote a a story in June. Uh, after talking to Brendan Marion and a number of coaches that he's worked for, including, um, you know, um, Gus Malzahn and and others, and you know, Brendan Marion's a guy who's been an offensive coordinator at at a lower level, and and so you know, was he uh, overly ambitious? You know, I don't know, but uh, I do know that you've got to bring in a coach who can develop excellent young talent. You're bringing in Jonte Cook. You're bringing in DeAndre Moore. You're bringing in uh, Ryan Niblett. Uh, you're 
you've got Jordan Whittington right now saying, you know, I'm coming back. Although <laughs> he announced he was coming back before Brennan Marion got linked to the UNLV job, Taylor. And one right. of our sources had said, as long as Marion is here, Whittington will be here. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, who, who knows? And, you know, everyone's still wondering if, if uh, Xavier Worthy is, is in or is he out? I think he's in, but um, you know, it's a, it's an important hire because honestly, Taylor, the receivers uh, position was a little bit of a, a letdown this year. It wasn't, it didn't take that big next step. Now, obviously the injury to Isaiah Nair was a big deal. He was a 12 touchdown receiver at Wyoming. He tears his ACL before the 2022 season. We'll see him hopefully in 2023 this fall, but um, the receiver position fell off a little bit from last year. Um, and so part of that is a young quarterback. We know that right. when yours learning on the job, freshman, um, and he should be better. That whole room uh, should be better. Heck, you got our Arch Manning on campus already uh, getting ready to go through winter workouts and spring football. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an important position. Usually that's a big time recruiting position for you and Brennan Marion uh, did an excellent job in the recruiting game. Yeah, I was. that's what I was going to follow up with. I mean, a lot of times receivers and cornerbacks coaches, a lot of times they are real, you know, good at developing talent, but really where they kind of find their prowess is on the recruiting trail. And Brendan Marion signed three top 100 um, prospects in the 2023 class, uh, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Texas, I believe, had a total of eight. So three of eight, he was the primary recruiter for. And as you mentioned, it was John Tay Cook, Ryan Niblett, and uh, DeAndre Moore. So um, definitely, you know, he was a really good recruiter. And when, you know, you talk about Brandon Marion, I think ultimately his goal is to be a head coach. And so that in, you know, um, I feel like that that's kind of always what he's wanted to do. He was in the mix for the Tulsa head coaching job um, soon after the regular season ended. He didn't end up getting that, but he also went to Tulsa too as a player. So um, there's, you know, I think that's the, you can say it's overly ambitious as all, all you want, but I mean, everybody should be ambitious in their career, yeah. right? You know, I mean, I don't want to just always stay stagnant. You know, I think that's how it goes. And um, it will be interesting to watch Savior Worthy and Jordan Whittington, because as Chip mentioned, we did have sources say that Jordan Whittington really wanted to play for Brendan Marion again. So We'll see if that changes. Um, you know, I would I would hope not at this point since he already made his announcement, his official announcement that he was returning. Xavier Worthy is still kind of a TBD type of guy, but he was one that has since congratulated um, Brennan Marion after the report surfaced. Um, UNLV has not officially announced the hire, but yeah, this is definitely going to be one to watch. One name that I feel like has kind of come into the mix that people I think probably want to see Emmett Jones and um, the wide receivers coach at Texas tech. Uh, he's been, I feel like every time there's been a receiver coach opening at Texas, his name somehow gets thrown into the mix. Um, I think one that Texas fans were probably hoping to find was uh, Rashad samples, who used to be a recruiting, uh, you know, director at Texas ended up going to the LA rant or he went to SMU first and was hired by the Rams. And now he just was hired at Arizona state not sure what his contract's like, but I'd be a little surprised if he enters the mix just because he just was hired at Arizona State. Um, I believe it's receivers coach too. Well, and think about how this whole domino started with Bobby Petrino, who takes the yeah. UNLV uh, offensive coordinator position under Barry Odom, as you mentioned. And three weeks later, he's out of there and right. headed to Texas A&M uh, to join Jimbo Fisher's staff. That uh, creates the opening that uh, Odom ultimately uh, gives to Brennan Marion. And and I give credit to Brennan Marion. I mean, he he's willing to bet on himself. UNLV is a program that has, you know, been lost uh, it, for quite some time. I mean, really since, gosh, since John Robinson was there, you know, more than a decade ago. And so... Let's see if, you know, Brendan Marion has his go-go offense. It's unconventional. Uh, it's all about creating uh, mismatches in the running game and um, overloading 
you know, one side uh, to force the defense to to make a commitment and then uh, trying to get, you know, the ball into uh, playmakers' hands in space away from the strong side. And we've seen, you know, play, I mean, coaches like Lincoln Riley, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, even Steve Sarkeesian use some of that go-go offense uh, that Brennan Marion has, has championed. And so um, it's a great opportunity for Brennan Marion to bet on himself. And um, Barry Odom's a defensive-minded coach, did a great job at uh, at Arkansas. And and now we'll we'll see what those two uh, can do in at UNLV. And that's that's the other reason why it's such a good opportunity for Brennan Marion, with Barry Odom being, you know, the defensive-minded guy. He's going to give Brennan Marion the keys. Uh, to run that offense, and that's that's exciting because um, he's he's under an offensive minded head coach at Texas. Now he gets to get out there and and shine. And uh, I really like Brendan Marion, and he's a fantastic story. I mean, the guy was like living in the locker room uh, at you know his junior college at, at the junior college, yeah, where he first started coaching. I mean, and and you know he goes to Tulsa. Uh, plays for Gus Malzahn and at Tulsa and uh, Mike Norvell, uh, who's now the head coach of Florida State, who is the offensive coordinator. Uh, so it, they all just rave about Brendan Marion. So uh, kudos to him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's kind of funny, kind of coming full circle. Barry Odom was also in the mix for the Tulsa head coaching job. So both of them interviewed for the Tulsa job as a head coach candidate. Barry Odom ultimately gets hired at UNLV and then hires Brendan Marion. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's a great opportunity. I think you you said it best. He's under a coach that's going to kind of give him the keys to the offense, and it provides him an opportunity to really shine as an offensive coordinator, play caller, offensive mind. That go go offense, as you mentioned, something that um, you know I think a lot of Texas fans were hoping to see more of. I would say sometimes this year, but um, yeah, I mean this this is a good. It, it's a good, you know, career move, I would say, for Brendan Marion, especially under a new coaching staff where you're not in a position to where it's like you need to win this year or else you're going to be fired or something like that. So, yeah. um, and on those lines, Chip, uh, my next question here is from I apologize if I am mispronouncing what this username is, but Ramo Sock 88. Are there any other assistant coaches you all have heard that are in your interviewing for other jobs? And are these coaches at a serious risk of leaving? Um, you know, I don't think anything has, um, you know, I, I did, this isn't an assistant coach, but I did talk to Gary Patterson, um, yesterday he was, he's in LA for the TCU Georgia national championship game. I wrote about it in the morning brew this morning, my, my, uh, daily column, uh, during the week. And, um, you know, I said, are you coming back? to Texas. And he said, I might, he said, I, I took that special assistant role, uh, in January of last year, right after the season, didn't really take time for myself. He said, I'm kind of doing that now with my wife, uh, Kelsey, who is a UT grad. Um, and, and so, you know, that one might be, you know, one to keep an eye on. And I don't know that Gary Patterson has something else lined up. Um, but I think he's, he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure it out what, what, uh, he wants his next step to be. And he, he was very complimentary of Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, I've probably learned more than I've given in this past year, um, in terms of recruiting and, uh, offensively, what would Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, how he, likes to formulate his offensive game plan. And then, um, you know, just how uh, seeing how another team practices and all of that and seeing how a program like Texas that has uh, the best of the best in terms of the, uh, you know, training staff, nutritionists, everything. Uh, I think that's what Gary Patterson was talking about. So, um, you know, that's, that's one to keep an eye on, but it, it sounds to me like this staff is hungry and excited about the young talent that it's bringing in and they really want to develop it and see where this program can go in the next, 
you know, starting next year, starting, starting this fall, we're in 2023 now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and honestly, I would say it would be the best case scenario for Texas to not lose any other assistant coaches because the one consistent thing that Texas has had in the football department has been changed, you know, over the last 10 years. And, um, you saw improvement this year. May, maybe some fans feel like it wasn't enough improvement, but you saw improvement substantially. And I think that you'll continue to see that, especially as these coaches not only you know get to know the players and get to know their roster and their personnel, but also work with each other. I mean, that was one of the biggest things on defense, I think, in, in Steve Sarkeesian's first year was Pete Kwiatkowski was one of the last coaches hired. And usually when a coordinator is hired, they get input on who – the position coaches that they they work with um, that are hired too, and so he did not. The only the only coach that he had really any say of uh, joining the staff was Jeff Choate um, as co defense coordinator, inside linebackers coach. But you know, I think I think the more consistency you have in a coaching staff, the better off it is. It's a very uh, kind of foreign concept, I would say, Chip, in today's version of college football, as opposed to back when Mac Brown was able to kind of keep, you know, in the early 2000s, the staff intact as much as possible. But, you know, it's uh, I think that's a good thing for Texas. Um, and yeah, I have not heard of any other assistant, you know, like on field assistant coaches being in the mix. There was another question about Gary Patterson, but um, you, I, I may go to that one actually now, just so you can kind of finish it up here. But uh, is Gary Patterson expected to stay on another year? Do you think he even wants another head coaching role or is it, is he content being in a lower stress advisor role? Yeah, I think he, and I wrote about this when I talked to him in June, he, he released uh, his song, yeah. uh, the day I walk away. It was kind of a bit of a ode to his time at TCU. And um, he did not have a farewell press conference when he was let go at TCU during the season last year. And and I think it is important to him to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. And he has all the criteria. He's he's won enough games. He's got the winning percentage. Uh, but he does have to be out of coaching for three years. I think the bigger question is he's got grandkids. And, you know, does he want to take a year, you know, be, be a grandfather? Um, and you know see see what that life is like uh maybe that's something his wife kelsey would love <laughs> probably and, yeah <laughs> and then and then decide if he wants to to get back in to the to the head coaching game but i i think he really um and obviously Cristel conte was a bit of a matchmaker with steve sarkeesian and and gary patterson and and i think steve or uh Cristel conte wanted to you know, make sure Gary had a, a landing spot. You know, if he, if he was still uh, hungry for, for being around ball, being around college football, then, Hey, come do it at Texas because mm -hmm. we can sure use your, your expertise, Gary Patterson and did an unbelievable job of scouting opponents this year. We saw how well uh, Texas played TCU in, in, uh, you know, defensively, uh, Georgia would love to have that kind of game against TCU tonight, hold them to, you know, 17 points. Um, but at Patterson, I mean, Patterson did a great job with that. And, and he, you heard Pete Kwiatkowski at the Alamo Bowl say he helped us with our match quarters, uh, pass defense because we, we were moving to the match quarters and there's no better, a uh, person to bring in to 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 consult about um, you know match quarters pass defense because that's what Gary Patterson specialized in for 20 years at TCU. So uh, I think it was a great if if it was a one year marriage, uh, it was a great uh, marriage on both sides. So we'll see. I like like Gary Patterson told me he said I might. So it's it's not a no, um, but. I think, um, and it's interesting and I, I give him credit for being able to go out to LA for this national championship game. He said, you know, Kelsey and I talked about it. You know, a lot of those players we recruited, we knew them 
you know, while they're in high school, we have strong bonds with those players. We want to go support them. We're not looking to be a distraction, but we feel like it's the right thing to do. So uh, they'll be in SoFi Stadium for that uh, for that national championship game tonight. Yeah, and, and I think they have every right to do that. You know, I don't think it's it's for a distraction in any way, shape, or form. I mean, Gary Patterson spent pretty much the entirety of his coaching career at TCU, whether it was as an assistant or as a head coach. Um, he obviously, I think, definitely should be in the, you know, at least in the talks for a college um, football Hall of Fame type of um nomination or whatever i'm not sure exactly what the word is but yeah like he should be in the mix for that too because of what he was able to do i mean without without gary patterson i doubt tcu's in the big 12 right now i mean that's yeah so he he transformed that program he made it a household name a household brand they're playing for the national championship tonight against georgia against all odds honestly i mean talk about the dark horse coming through and just you know, kind of running, actually not kind of actually running the table, you know, in the big 12 this year. But um, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I think it was a good, definitely a good union for all parties involved. And it also helped that TCU from what we were hearing paid him a cash buyout and one lump sum, right. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, which is a rarity. A lot of times, you know, when you let go of a coach, they'll put there's word in, uh, you know, verbiage and contracts that will say like an offset agreement where you need to actively be seeking employment elsewhere. And if you get another job, you know, your buyout is lessened by whatever the other uh, job is paying you. So um, Texas fans are very probably uh, knowledgeable about buyouts, considering how many <laughs> that Texas has had lately. But um, all right, Chip, I'm going to go on over to another question here. This is um, actually it's also from Ramos sock. Hey, Ramos sock 88. You, you asked some good questions that we picked two of yours now, but, um, besides Xavier worthy, are there any names you all have heard think about the transfer portal? Um, not, you know, not, uh, not so much. Um, you know, we'd heard that maybe Jordan Whittington was looking, um, at the transfer portal before he announced he was coming back to Texas. Um, but you know, for the most part, and that's not to say that things, you know, can change after spring football or they can change depending on what kind of NIL, uh, money gets, you know, put in front of, uh, different, um, players. But as of right now, um, I think it's, it's quiet. Now, obviously Texas is looking in the portal. Um, we know that. Uh, mm -hmm. Jalen Catalan from Arkansas, who I think is dynamite. And I know he's had some injury problems, but um, we've, we've talked on the flagship podcast that safety, uh, a, a veteran safety, a veteran offensive lineman, um, possibly a veteran receiver uh, might be uh, targets in the transfer portal for Texas. We heard Sark say he could take two to five more. Um, you know, up to five, I guess, in the portal. And and it and there's no rush on that. There's there's waves of yeah. of recruiting the portal. There's the the wave right now that Jalen Catalan's in, and then there's the wave after spring football. So um yeah, I think um, you know, right now it's quiet, but it can change in a in a heartbeat. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird thing with the portal is as Chip said, like there's the waves of it. There's the, you know, once it opened in, um, you know, the end of the regular season back in 2022, it was like a flood and all you were hearing was so-and-so enters the portal, so-and-so enters the portal. And it was like multiple per day, it seemed like at big programs even. And now it's kind of in the lull, but when you are hearing the guys that are in the portal now, it's moving fast, like the Jalen Catalans. I think he visited three schools, I think, last this past week, including Texas. He had his uh, visit to Texas on Sunday. If you want uh, the latest on that, Mike Roach kind of wrote it up in the stampede this morning. Uh, definitely go over and get all the details there. But, you know, um, it sounds like it's a between Purdue, Texas, Texas A&M. But you never know. There could be another program that enters the mix. I see this probably going pretty quickly. But the next wave is going to be the one to watch is going to be after spring football. And Steve Sarkeesian has been very open with the players that he has on his roster, the ones that 
if if he feels that maybe it's best for them to move on, he'll have those conversations. He has them after the regular season and he has them after spring ball. And so that will be something to continue to monitor as the Longhorns go through the offseason here. But yeah, there's been no other names in the portal. I will say one thing that um, has been, you know, kind of a question of is he come, or staying or is he going is Jalen Ford, not for the portal, more for the NFL draft. Um, you know, I'm, I've been hearing there hasn't been a definitive decision made, but right now he's potentially leaning towards returning, which, um, and then when, you know, we talked to him after the season, it kind of, he was, even the way he was answering questions about next year, it seemed like that was where it was going. Um, the, uh, player or excuse me, the college advisory committee grades, were submitted to uh, Texas and other schools at the beginning of last week, I believe it was. So they're starting to kind of get those grades coming in, make the decisions. That's going to be something you'll monitor in the coming days. Because I think it's, what is it, January 16th that is the deadline, I think, that they have to declare for underclassmen, Chip? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, I think it is. So, you know, there's about a week left of that. That's going to be something to monitor. And that's why you want to be over at Horns 24-7 because – we will keep you updated on all attrition, whether it's transfer portal, whether it's additions, whether it's subtractions, or whether it's players going to the NFL draft or returning. So um, next one here, we'll, we'll uh, look ahead to the future now. Who's the biggest breakout star for next year from JNMWTX? I'll let you go first. Well, it needs to be uh, the quarterback position, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Um because obviously it was a learning on the job experience for for Quinn Ewers um, this you know in the 2022 season and um, you you just need to see that quarterback position take the next step and be I've, I've talked about this a lot but we need to see Quinn Ewers lead his team from behind late in a game uh, that's the signature of any top quarterback that ability to perform under pressure and and get it done bring your team back in a in a tight ball game and and so you know i obviously i'm looking at the running back position taylor and i'm going okay is it cedric baxter and obviously uh taylor reported first about jonathan brooks having the hernia surgery after the alamo bowl which might have contributed to his lack of touches in that game. Um, but that's going to be fascinating too, because obviously uh, when you say goodbye to Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, you, you want to have uh, an answer. And I'm not trying to put this on Cedric Baxter. I, I said this last week, he watching his film, he looks like a young Adrian Peterson, the way he runs upright. They're both, they were both 6'1 to 20 coming out of high school. And Cedric Baxter is a fun guy to watch on film. I mean, he gets going north and south and he he can he can move. We gotta see if he can catch the football. Uh I don't know if anyone can catch the football like B. John Robinson, but yeah. um, you know, that's gonna be obviously a huge uh position to look for. And then you know, on the defensive side, I know I'm going on and on here, but um, on the defensive side, Anthony Hill at linebacker. Let's see how quickly he can, you know, digest this defense, how quickly he can process because he is going to be an impact player, whether it's uh, as a true freshman or or after that. But I just I think this kid is uh, is a player. Yeah, and and I would agree with you about I think Quinn Ewers needs to be the breakout star, especially with the departures of both R Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson. I mean, that doesn't just leave a hole; it leaves like a crater <laughs> on the the roster, honestly. And as Chip mentioned, yeah, I did report last week. Jonathan Brooks did have hernia surgery. I believe it was the day after the Alamo Bowl, actually. So very very soon after that game, would not surprise me if that was why Sark. And the staff decided to go with a little bit more of a pass-heavy attack um, against Washington. Sark did say that was a plan all along. From what I was told, Jonathan Brooks had been playing through the hernia, or had the hernia issue pretty much all year. He continued to play through it, um, and he didn't want to get surgery mid-season. He really wanted to 
finish the year and then, um, you know, go through the surgery and rehab process. So from everything I'm hearing, surgery went well, he's recovering well, he's supposed to be on campus this week with school starting. So it's a, you know, um, he'll be going through the rehab process now next, but I would say he's also a guy to watch though, too. I think, you know, with him, I mean, go back to the Kansas game. It's hard to kind of erase the, the memories that he left in that game. I mean, that was a really solid performance for a guy that hadn't really had very much, uh, you know, very many carries at all, honestly. And so he's a guy, I think that, you know, assuming that all of the, the surgery, you know, healing, everything goes well. I think he could be a guy to watch. And we haven't really seen Jaden Blue either. That's another guy that, you know, you kind of don't want to forget about. I think there's been, was there, I, I feel it's so hard to keep up with like the transfer portal stuff. There was no reports about him in the transfer portal, right? There were rumblings, rumblings and then he came out and said, I'm, I'm back. Right. Yeah. But he's a guy definitely to watch too. And so I don't necessarily think that Cedric Baxter needs to have it put on him because I think the running back room is very talented. We just haven't seen a lot of the talent yet, but um, you know, I, I would say those two to watch. And then Jalen Gilbo, I think is a guy on defense to keep an eye on. I mean, he had an injury mid season that kept him out the rest of the year, but if he can stay focused, stay in the program, not let off field issues, you know, come in or anything like that. I think he could be a guy that could be a breakout star next year. Yeah, and Baron Sorrell needs to keep coming because he yeah. he got off to the great start. Um, I think he finished up with five and a half sacks. He needs to be a 10-sack guy next year because he's got the length. He's got the want to. He's got the physical tools. He's just got to sharpen everything up and, yeah. and be a guy who can beat tackles and, and off, you know, just use an an array of uh you know moves whether it's you know the long arm or speed to power or you know the chop whatever it takes uh rip for him to get to the quarterback he's got to add all those tools um to his uh to his repertoire and and obviously there's a ton of young talent that will enjoy watching develop from that 2022 recruiting class and now from this uh, top three 2023 recruiting class. Yeah, and Byron Murphy. I mean, I, th I think Byron Murphy might be my favorite player on the team just from I just want him to get the opportunity to be the the main guy. I mean, he's been behind some very, you know, big veteran players that have played a lot of games at Texas. He now will have probably more of an opportunity to secure plenty more reps. And I, I think he's a guy also to watch there at the defensive line there. Yeah. And he's a, he's a guy who's been identified by, by teammates as a leader, you know, mm -hmm. as a guy who will emerge, you lose Keandre Coburn, you lose Moro, Ajomo. Um, those guys have been big voices in that defensive tackle room. Byron Murphy's a guy, Tavondre Sweat was pointed out by Steve Sarkeesian, that's that's important. You got to have guys up front in the in the offensive line room, in the defensive line room, who are respected, feared. Uh, Casey Hampton always told me it helps when you know your best players on the offensive and defensive lines also have a nastiness to them that causes the whole locker room to to like sit up straight when yeah shudder a little bit <laughs> yeah so we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast next one here chip i'll let you handle this one what's the latest on the indoor practice facility from riz lewis sorry if i'm mispronouncing that riz lewis yeah I, i've been reporting in the insider for a year that it's coming and now i think we're real close to an announcement um i i'm everything i'm hearing is that the indoor practice facility will be just south of dkr it will not be at um the uh Denius fields um they're gonna they're gonna you know clear some space and um, pop the bubble <laughs> yeah pop the bubble <laughs> and it's it's interesting the geography of the land right between the rec center and the jamail swim center it's on a slope 
So you could have the majority of the indoor facility underground. Um, you know, typically those are 55 feet high um, facilities. Well, if you can uh, sink it, then it doesn't become this obnoxious uh, structure on your campus. It can it can be more subtle. Um, but I think I think we're going to get an announcement here this month by the end of the month. Let's let's put it that way. And uh, I think it's going to be a really cool project. And it's uh, it's a it's sort of the last big priority for Chris Del Conte, who has led this unbelievable um, charge of facility renovation. You know, we're talking seven hundred fifty million dollars. This would take it over eight hundred million dollars in facility upgrades. And this is really the last big priority on that list. So um, it's exciting times for Texas football. Now, I think it'll take over a year uh, for this to become a reality because you do have to clear, uh, you have to move basically the School of Social Work elsewhere on campus. And then you have to raise that building and, and go deep underground so it, it could be a year and a half project so we'll say two years uh maybe ready for the for the 24 season um but yeah i think an announcement uh we'll say by the end of the month by the end of january okay that's good to know and speaking of the 24 season i'm going to throw you another one again here too any update on the impending move to the sec buyout updates rumors etc from sotx horn 90. Yeah, I, I'm still of the belief and I've been led to believe in talking to um, sources who are involved uh, that it will be 2024. Now, there's, uh, there's some interesting dynamics to all this. ESPN is heavily involved. I've said ESPN has the means and the incentive for Texas to be and OU to be in the SEC in the fall of 2024, when uh, ESPN takes over the the broadcast rights for football in the SEC, um, it is interesting because ESPN has contracts with both uh, the Big 12 and the SEC going forward. We know the Big 12 just got their their new media rights deal. Uh, it will involve ESPN and Fox again going forward. Um, and PAC 12 still does not have a new media rights deal, by the way, <laughs> but, um, you look at this and ESPN might want, uh, some things <laughs> from Texas and OU like playing games against big 12 teams to sort of help the, their big 12 side of uh, the media rights to, you know, bolster that deal, um, for maybe four years. And, and then the question becomes, okay, well, who would Texas and OU play, uh, if that was the case. So, um, stay tuned on that, by the way. And, uh, I still, I still think it will be 24. I know, um, Everything they say is, oh, we're honoring our deal. And they, you know, there's a possibility that it, it, you know, could end up where Texas honors the, um, you know, the current agreement with the Big 12 and they leave and, and go to the SEC in 2025. To me, the only way that happens is if OU box and decides uh, we don't have the money for this or, if ESPN doesn't cover their expenses because Texas and OU are going to move together. And so that um, I think it's fair to say Texas has the means. And again, it's because they have the Longhorn network contract, which they will still be owed $150 million after the 23 football season mm -hmm. uh, from ESPN for the remainder of that Longhorn network contract that that's money that can be used to cover both Texas and OU's move um, to the SEC. And so um, 
we'll see. No one, no one's going to admit to any of this. They're all going to deny it and say, blah, blah, blah. You know, ESPN's not going to say a word because Bob Bowlesby basically accused them of tampering and, you know, dis, uh, destabilizing the big 12. Um, and you know, when Texas and OU announced, uh, a year ago or what the summer of 21, that they were, um, headed to the sec. So everyone's going to tiptoe along the, you know, the dotted line here until, you know, we get some announcement, but Taylor, I do think it's possible. It's possible that if they can reach some kind of agreement, Texas, OU, you know, whether it's playing teams from the Big 12 for another, you know, couple teams for another uh, four years, that a deal could be announced before, um, you know, sooner rather than later. I'll just put it that way. Um, but as of right now, uh, yeah, I still think that Texas and OU will be in the SEC in the fall of 2024. All right. There's some good stuff there. I'm going to take a question here from um, the Facebook page, actually, from Brian Judson. Is Christian Jones coming back or declaring for the draft? You know, that it's funny because I I was uh, just trying to reach out to, to Christian. There's been a lot of talk about him coming back for a sixth year. Yeah. Um, which... I was a little surprised by because it sounded like when we were talking to Kyle flood, that cam Williams might be ready to go uh, at right tackle as a second year offensive lineman. But look, you, you, that's, that's up to Christian Jones. I mean, if he wants to come back, compete, if he feels like he's that much better than cam Williams or, you know, some of these other developing uh, offensive lineman who came in in that star-studded 22 class. You got five offensive linemen coming in in this 23 class. Four of them are early enrollees. Um, you know, it's a little – that would be a little surprising, but I got to give it to Christian Jones because he he did get better. He was much better, actually, at right tackle than he was at left tackle, and that was a – that's big kudos to Christian Jones because he was the – you know, according to pro football focus grades, he was the worst offensive lineman uh, on the field in 2021. And he was markedly better uh, on the right side in 2022. So um, yeah, well, I'm, I'll have to, I got to get Christian to hit me back on that. Yeah. And, and that's a huge credit also to Kyle flood for acknowledging that you know, maybe we shift him to the other side and he'll do better because yeah, you're right. He was night and day better. It also is a credit to Calvin Banks being ready to take on, you know, that left tackle role um, on the offensive line as a non early enrollee last year. I mean, that was for him to come on the way he did was so surprising, but Christian Jones played a major role on the offense. I mean, he was the, the most experienced offensive lineman by a long shot, not just like, you know, oh, he was a fifth year and there was a fourth year guy behind him. No, like he was the only one, I think. So, you know, that that was a huge, He, you know, he he helped out that offensive line so much. And I think having a veteran there, especially after Junior Engelau went down with that injury, Junior Engelau now, um, I believe, is transferring elsewhere. So, um, yeah, that that was that will be something to definitely watch. It'll be interesting to see if Christian Jones were to return to Texas or maybe even enter the transfer portal if he does want to come back. You know, if if there is a conversation that maybe Cam Williams is coming along enough to where the coaches maybe encourage Christian Jones to go somewhere else. But regardless, you know, I think he did enough. He helped himself out a lot, regardless of what his decision is from this past 2022 season. Yeah, for sure. All right. Here is my next one. Um from Ryan seventy one seven eighty, what young edge do you like most to step up and produce next year? Mine's Justice Finkley. Chip, what's yours? Yeah, I like Justice Finkley. I mean, he's built, he's put together, he's a, he's ready from a physical standpoint. He's ready, and he's, he's the guy who was ahead of Prince Dorba, um, who basically caused Prince Dorba to, to go into the transfer portal. Cause we know Prince Dorba is athletic and has tools. We saw him 
you know, with a three sack game in the spring game a couple of years ago, but he just didn't have the kind of focus and commitment um, that, that the Texas, that Bo Davis, Pete Kwiatkowski were looking for and Justice Finkley does. So he doesn't have the length of, of Baron Sorrell, but he has the, he has the physicality and he's explosive and, and he got reps. I mean, he, he got reps uh, this year. He's, he holds up against the run. And I think that's what uh, the coaches before you can be a top notch edge rusher. You have to be able to stop the run. You can't just be a guy who rushes the passer because if you can't stop the run, you're never going to be rushing the passer because they're just right. going to be running for first downs on first and second down. <laughs> so I agree with you, Taylor. I think justice Finkley uh, will be ready to take a big step. He was an early enrollee. He, um, you know, played behind Ovi Agofu. Um, and and so it's it's Justice Finkley's time. Yeah. And I think Ethan Burke is another one to kind of keep an eye on too. Um, you know, signing in the 2022 class along with Justice Finkley. I think the two of them, their ceiling is very high. And, you know, you, it's with Ovia Gofu moving on, you probably, if you're a Texas fan, want to see them start climbing up to that ceiling. And I think that they both have an opportunity to kind of be the one to step up and uh, produce in a big way next year. Yeah. And they're different. They're very different. Obviously mm -hmm. Ethan Burke's six, five, uh, you've got Colton Vosick coming in as an early enrollee as well from <laughs> Westlake, whose dad, Brian Vosick played at Texas uh, in the mid nineties. And those guys are long. I mean, mm -hmm. Colton Vosick's like six, six. And when you look at, you know, the guys like JJ Watt, who are six, six, who have the length and obviously both Ethan Burke and Colton Vosick have to get in the weight room and build their, their strength to, to take advantage of their length, but that length, uh, it can be, it can be lethal when it's in an explosive frame and both Ethan Burke and, and Colton Vosick have that length that, uh, is exciting. Cause Remember all the passes that JJ Watt would bat down. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have that kind of length, you're that tall, you can, you can affect so many passes at the line of scrimmage. And that's, that's something that Texas needs more of quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Big humans, right? Very athletic humans. Yeah. That is a priority of the staff. And I think it's a good thing too, because, uh, you're not putting together a seven-on-seven seven roster when you are playing against, especially when they go to the SEC. I think Steve Sarkeesian and his staff recognize that. You know, Tom Herman and his staff did a really good job of recruiting um, the skill players. You know, the the seven-on-seven seven guys. But you know, when you're playing against the big humans in the SEC, you got to go toe-to-toe -to -toe for that. And I think Texas is doing so far in two recruiting cycles a good job with that. Um, I'm going to go to the next question from the. YouTube channel. We can kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but um any update on the situation with Catalan from Emmanuel Villafranco. Um one thing you'll want to keep an eye over at Horns 247 because everything that we're hearing so far is that the visit went really well. It could be between Texas and Purdue, but I say keep an eye on it. What do you think, Chip? Yeah, and Purdue is in it because um they have a coach who was at Arkansas. Mm -hmm. who has just uh, joined Ryan Walter's staff there. Um, of course, we know Hudson Card is headed to Purdue to, to play for Graham Harrell, the new Ryan Walter's uh, offensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, you're hearing, and Mike Roach, our, our recruiting guru at Horns 24-7, um, wrote about this in the Stampede, as Taylor said. And uh, there's a reason that he's intrigued by Purdue. And that's because he had a coach at Arkansas who he knows really well, who's going there. Um, but Catalan is from the state of Texas. And if he thinks that Texas is closer to um, being able to break through, possibly play for a title, then let's see what's going on. They certainly, Texas certainly needs a veteran presence. I think at the safety position, you've got Jaron Thompson for sure. But Jalen Jalen Catalan was, you know, when healthy at Arkansas, he was an all-conference player and super smart. I mean, super smart, super high football IQ, 
never out of position. His only thing has been injuries. And um, if he's, if he's, you know, got a chance to make uh full recovery and, and, and be as explosive as he's been, then, oh my gosh, what an addition Jalen Catalan would be. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. If, if he can stay healthy, I think he's one healthy season away from being a, you know, day one, day two type of NFL draft pick. That's the type of um, talent that he could bring. It would be a huge, um, a huge addition for Texas at a position of need. And kind of going into that, this was the final one here from our Horns 24-7 members. I'm going to kind of like lead into it with that, asking who are some targets for Texas in the transfer portal at wide receiver? Does not having a receivers coach currently hurt Texas' chances at guys I will say, I think the priority right now is safety in the transfer portal. Texas, they've added a cornerback in Gavin Holmes um, to from the transfer portal. Now they're they're shifting their focus to safety, and I would say that is the biggest priority on this uh, this roster. Honestly, Chip, I mean, the last two years, Texas has has had to shift players around from different positions to fill a starting safety role with Brennan Schooler doing it in 2021, Anthony Cook, he was already in the secondary, obviously he played corner, he played nickel, then they moved him to safety. That was because of the lack of depth at safety. And so if you can get a proven uh, guy, especially a guy like Jalen Catalan, you hope he holds up from a, a health standpoint, that's got it. But if you can get that type of player, that's got to be priority number one, even more so than receiver. Because the one thing with receiver that I think it's easy to forget because he was a name everyone was hearing, then it just fell off was Isaiah Nair. He's coming back to Texas. He's a, a guy that we were hearing what really, really, really good things at before he had his uh, season ending injury that he suffered in after the first week of fall camp. So I would say safety is definitely more of a priority. Obviously not having a receivers coach in place would probably impact it. But at the end of the day, you know, this is Steve Sarkeesian's offense. There's no question about it. If more so if players want to play in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, they're going to play probably regardless of who the position coach is there. But yeah, I would say safety is number one, even more so of a priority than wide receiver. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. And stay tuned over at Horns 24 seven. Um, because that, uh, the Jalen Catalan uh, story appears to be moving pretty quickly. So it sounds like uh, Jalen's ready to, to wrap up this recruiting. And, um, and so you'll want to be over at horns, 24, com for all the latest <laughs> Taylor. Real um, quick, real quick. I got one here from our YouTube channel predictions for tonight's national championship game chip. Yeah. I, you know what? Max Duggan. I'm not going against them and D D winners. Um, you know, uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson. I, I just think this TCU team is a veteran team. Um, and I think Garrett Riley figures out a way to move the football. I don't like the fact that Kendra Miller may not play in this game, uh, which puts it all, um, you know, put, or puts more of the running game on Max Duggan. Um, but man, I think TCU believes, I certainly think they cover Taylor. Um, how about you? I mean, I would love to see TCU win it. Honestly, I, I think that would be great. I know that there's a, you know, a story in itself. If Georgia goes back to back, they would be the first, I believe since the inception of the college football playoff to win back to back national yeah. championships. But um, you know, I, I would say prior to the semifinal games, I, if you told me that it was going to be Georgia TCU and the national championship, I would say like, oh man, TCU had a great season and end it there, you know, but the fact that, you know, Ohio state was able to put up, what was it? 41 points on Georgia. Their defense has been the stout thing. They haven't faced a offense really like TCU's offense. So, um, I I'm going to give, I, I don't know if this is the logical decision or not, but I, I'm going to pick TCU too. I think mainly because I just would love to see a program of that size, you know, a small private school end up going, being one that came off the five and seven season. Nobody thought was going to be in the big 12 title game, let alone the the college football playoff championship game. I think I'm going to, um, you know, the Cinderella story would be the perfect ending to it. So I'm going to go with TCU. 
Yeah, and that three-high safety look that is unique to the Big 12, thanks to John Haycock at Iowa State, gives quarterbacks – it slows them down. They're not used yeah. to it. They don't see it. I mean, Arkansas runs it in the SEC, but um, TCU is fast, and that's Gary Patterson. He recruited that speed to that uh, roster. He he built that roster. Sonny Dykes did a great job adding from the portal, bringing in Garrett Riley and Joe Gillespie as coordinators and Kaz Kazadi, his strength coach, who was at Baylor when Art Bryles was winning Big 12 championships. He is one of the best in the business. So um, I think people are sleeping on TCU a little bit. I love Stetson Bennett. I love his story. And he may, he may, he may pull it off again because that dude – Man, he believes in himself and he plays with swag and he's got weapons on offense. So it'll, I think it'll be a great game. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to this live mailbag edition of the Flagship Podcast. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with another episode uh, Wednesday morning-ish. You know what I mean? Um so until then, we'll see you over at horns247.com. For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith.